0: Welcome to TA1. Everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some I'm your host, the legendary Randy Erickson And your token South of the Border guy for this week's episode uh, All Canadian, all to the time So, um, And with the exchange rate, it's a long episode So hopefully uh, you got a good workout plan for this one But we have uh, Team Raid Gillespie And I know that's not right because none of the team could get it right except for Natalie. So uh, I talked to all of them individually about uh, who they are, what they're doing, and the world championships. And uh, this is what they had to say. So right now, this is going out the night, Saturday night. The uh, race starts tomorrow morning sometime. As of recording this, I don't know exactly when. So... Um, maybe when you're hearing it the race will already be going but uh, interesting interesting group um, of Canadians and really nice people huh imagine that so uh, let's uh, go fast and take chances eh that's me Randy how you doing doing good we'll make sure everything's recording here and it looks good and you sound good so how you been great great Uh, doing
1: well getting ready for Ecuador How, how about
0: you Um, kind of exactly the same thing, (laughs) Yeah, trying to get some work done and I haven't started packing yet, but I'm getting close to
1: that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you there. Yeah. So,
0: um, we'll ask you the, one of the last questions first, if you start packing today, will you be still be, (laughs) will you, will you still be packing the night before you leave?
1: Yeah, so I've listened to a fair bit of your podcast. Okay. So I was I was <laughs> expecting that, um, and I, I, I'm definitely one of those people who is still packing the night before. There's there's usually a few restless nights going in before I before you fly out, and there's always seems to be something last minute that I think I might need or yeah. I might want to add to my pack. So I'm I'm always packing right until the last last minute. Yeah, I am really going minimal this year, trying
0: to. Yeah. Um, Cause last year in Costa Rica, I had two huge suitcases full of gear and it got to be a pain to haul them all around.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it could be proven pretty tough for us too. We just found out that I guess Delta has some sort of a weight restriction returning from Quito, So we're trying to sort that out with the race organizers and Delta and um, all that. But for some reason, they put some sort of restriction I, i'm not as worried leaving quito as long as i get my bike there <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. that's the important thing
0: yeah well you know there was a thing last year in costa rica that um at certain times of the year there's a limit on baggage going yeah. to costa rica in the winter when people go on surfing so mm. but apparently it didn't bother anybody um so okay we got to ask you the hard question first okay well or second wherever we're at um what's the name of your team?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you asked the English speaking guy who doesn't know any French too. Uh-huh. Uh I I it's it's Raid Gas Bay uh, International powered by Osprey. I know it, it's sort of the longest name team name I think in in Ecuador, so yeah. at least we're easy easy to find if you ever want to sort by name or something like that.
0: Well, that's true. Well, you were a little better than Pete, but not as good as Natalie and James.
1: So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was better than Pete, and he lives in France. Jeez. Yeah. He's like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I know. We, we've we raced under running free for the longest time, so it's taken me a long time to sort of get used to the name change. But um, yeah. anyways, yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, how did you get started in this weird world of adventure racing
1: yeah well i you know similar to a lot of the people who got into it i really came from like an outdoor background i i sort of spent my summers in high school up in the provincial parks here uh doing work and uh in university i used to plant trees in between semesters throughout the summer and um i always liked the outdoors and then you know i i caught a glimpse of ego challenge and um i thought this is great um i can i can put some competitiveness to to the outdoors and sort of got started there and uh, originally was with some some friends from university and then uh, you know my passion for it sort of grew and and my need to train and and compete at a higher level sort of continued and and there sort of uh, plateaued fairly quickly and then uh, yeah that was maybe 12 years ago now. I think I started with just the, the you know, the seven, eight-hour sprints and then uh, slowly worked my way up into expedition racing. So,
0: well, how long did it take you to do your first expedition then?
1: We did our first overnight, I think, after two years. So it was a 24-hour race and um, we didn't do very well. My my teammate started bonking and and we didn't even know how to deal with bonking. So we, we got <laughs> sort of really worried and, you know, he was trying to take in food and it was hot out and he was getting sick and and we we just basically pulled the pin and and thought okay this is this is sort of dangerous or he's he's going into a you know some sort of scary state here and i mean meanwhile 2 hours later we're back at the cottage and you know he was fine and and now it would be very easy to identify it as just like a bad bonk or something like yeah. that but back when we first started we we didn't do it and then i i think i took a few sort of years i think i probably did my first like multi-day after Four, maybe four years down in Mexico and um, but it, it took a while like it, it definitely I wanted to be comfortable enough to, to know that my navigation in the shorter races was good enough to to sort of be used in, in multi-day because I, I didn't want to get my team too lost.
0: So, um, so did you ever like do any real uh, learning for navigation or was it just something that you just went out and started doing? out of necessity.
1: Yeah, I took, so in Ontario, we've got a really good, uh, group of orienteers and, uh, sort of the, the adventure racers and orienteers do a lot of, uh, racing against one another with one another, um, at competitions that are, aren't pure orienteering races, but they sort of mix in trail running there. It's called adventure race or adventure running. And, um, so it's not, really complex navigation but it, it still is pretty tough navigation for someone unfamiliar and, and I sort of um, did a lot of those sort of races and then also even the, a lot of the the clubs around here do some training sessions and I think I was actually at the first or I was I was at a backwoods clinic with Barb Campbell and we didn't know one another and this was you know 10-12 years ago um, but I, I do remember being at the same beginner clinic uh, as Barb was
0: yeah well you guys have both come quite a ways then haven't you
1: yeah I guess so, <laughs>
0: so I mean it, you know and and quite honestly i as far as navigation it's just something you gotta do but you guys get a lot of chances to do it, don't you
1: we do yeah we're pretty lucky here and i I mean I sit on the ontario um uh orienteering association board now and i'm I'm actively involved with my club and um, it's a, you know it's a great sort of um, I, adventure racing will always be sort of my primary passion and sport but I do love the navigation component of, of uh, the orienteering.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's actually where we first met is when you came here to the Black Hills.
1: That's right. Yeah, Pete and I did the the row game, the the Dakota row game. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, we were hoping to actually make it back for the worlds, but it just didn't work out. It was, that's
0: it's getting to be a lot of fun things to do, isn't it?
1: You, can't, oh, you just can't do them all. <laughs> there's there's so much options for endurance athletes, especially the ones who who want to do the longer stuff. It's just it's phenomenal out there now. So, um, so, worlds, are you coming in? On,
0: how do you? Well, let's put it this way. How do you feel about the altitude part of it?
1: Yeah, I. <laughs> I mean, we just got. Did you see the latest uh, release from the the second newsletter? Uh, no. Okay, they ju- they just released it, and the altitude profile, I mean, it's going upwards of, of 4,000 meters, but I wasn't even sure if we were going to go beyond that, so it looks like we're topping out somewhere around there. It's a few times it starts high, and then it goes low, and then it goes back up, yeah. and then it basically continues um, going down. So I- I'm, I'm obviously concerned. I've only been at maybe 8,000, and that was in Mexico, and I remember it, remember suffering Pretty large from that, um, but I'm I'm trying to uh, to do whatever sort of uh, a low a C C level person can really do, and and trying to, to mix in a little bit of interval training to get my VO2 max up, and you know doing what I can. I, I've read a little bit on altitude tents. It doesn't seem like they really work, so uh, you know I'm sort of hoping that. I won't I won't be too bad. I'm crossing yeah. my fingers and I'll take the recommended uh, aids like Dymox and things like that um, to, to sort of aid with that. But I, you know, I've been a few times at 6,000 uh, between 6,000 and 8,000 and I've never really been too bad. So I'm kind of hoping that it won't be too much worse, a little higher up. Yeah. So we'll see what happens.
0: Well, I mean, quite honestly, what I've always discovered is if you're fit, it doesn't, it isn't a problem. I mean, yeah, you're going to go slower and you're going to breathe hard, but yeah, you know, it's just like running hard at sea level. So, and you know, and then there's the crapshoot, you know, That's Any, cool, anybody yeah. can get sick, so you just got to go with it.
1: Yeah. And I've read sometimes it seems to affect some people and other times it doesn't. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would have loved to have flown in a few weeks before him, but I mean, we don't, I mean, we all have jobs and and families and things like that, so we we don't have that luxury. But um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's a bit of a disadvantage, I think, based on where we we sort of live here in Ontario. But um, yeah, we'll 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 see what happens.
0: Well, I, you know, the one thing, and I think Nathan and I talked about this. None of the top teams, nobody lives at elevation except for the Ecuador's
1: Ecuadorians. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah.
0: And they've got home field advantage anyway, so we won't worry about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, have you, with the rest of the team, um, talked about what what you want to do, what your goals are, your sort of basic race strategy? Do you are you are you that far along?
1: We are a little bit. Um, you know, a lot. Of the last few couple of years, we've 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 sort of had a strategy to go really hard in the first day or two, as long as sort of we can maintain a really hard pace and then a little bit holding on after that. And we've had good results based on that. And and we found that a lot of even the top teams that are at a higher level than ours do something similar. Um, but I think for this race, because we're, we're worried about altitude and, and we also learned even just at untamed and things like that, the packs are going to be so heavy that, I mean, it. I don't know if you're going to be expending a lot of extra energy to go a little bit faster. Um, so I think we're going to be a little bit conservative, um, take care of our feet because we've had some feet issues. Me specifically, I've had a fair bit of, of blister issues over the last few years and uh, just try and make sure that we can we can go the distance and finish the full course. I think it'd be great. We've, we've done a few worlds before, so we, we sort of know where we stack up. It would be great to finish, I think in between anywhere between 10 and 20 um, specifically. And, you know, but you know, you never know what's going to happen. We're not sure how the maps are going to be. And if someone reacts to altitude um, a little differently or gets sick or something like that. But I think if we have a good race and our navigation goes well and everyone stays healthy and, and everything, then we should be able to, to maybe get somewhere in that, that range. Yeah.
0: So, you, I mean, you're, you're a top 15 team in the world. I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah that's where we sort of, that's where we, we've, we've done, that's how we've done in the past in in some of the other world's races and stuff. So yeah. um, we'll see. It's our first time racing together as a foursome. Pete and I have been racing Pete James and I have raced together for four or five years now. And, and Natalie's a little bit new to the team coming on this year. Um, So there, it is a little bit different of a team that we're used to, but um, I think we can still, we can still do well. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm talking with, with Natalie. I don't think she's going to slow you down.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She just got back from a 50 K that she did well in Utah. So 51 K let's get it right. That's that's fifty one <laughs> when you don't follow direct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. No, she's she's a great, uh, she's a super strong paddler, and I know she's been working on her her running and and even her biking. So I think I think we'll be yeah. I think we'll do I think we'll do pretty well.
0: So, what would you for your just well two part question one for the team and one for you? What would you want the most of down in Ecuador? Like paddling,
1: biking, trekking, hard navigation? Uh, yeah, I, that's a tough one. I, I can tell you I, d- I prefer it not to be <laughs> paddling. I, I don't really enjoy the paddling part of adventure racing. I mean, it's great to be off your feet. It's usually a bit of a nice break. Um, I just find it hard to stay awake a lot of the times and, and be engaged a little bit with, with paddling. But um, I, I enjoy probably the, the biking the most. Yeah. Um, although if, you know, if the trekking has, you know, summiting mountains and, and some tough navigation, then, then that's also something I really enjoy. Yeah. Cool. And you think
0: that's, well, probably varies there for everybody on the team then obviously natalie likes the paddling so
1: <laughs> yeah natalie i think likes the paddling i don't know how much of that will get in ecuador i didn't really look at the detailed um newsletter to see the distances and things like that but um yeah she she probably has a preference to that that's her strength um uh, yeah that's not my strength so <laughs> that's not my preference but well, yeah you,
0: yeah well, you know when everybody's in a tomcat air nobody knows how to paddle so what difference does it make right
1: yeah exactly yeah, yeah.
0: um yeah. you know so you know how this works we jump around with everything so what's the uh biggest improvement in gear that you've seen in since you started racing
1: the biggest improvement in gear since i started racing oh that's yeah it's uh Oh, and that's a tough one because I think almost every aspect of gear has changed. Uh, for example, I was I've been looking into getting a, a sleeping bag that is, of course, minimum 400 grams. So I probably will be upset <laughs> if it's 100 grams more than that. Yeah. And you can get warm, you know, compressible sleeping bags that are the size of you know a grapefruit that are going to meet that requirement and going to be warm. Yeah. Um, you know, so the size and, and the packability of a lot of the, the gear nowadays is, is, is really, I think, progressed. So if I had to pick one, and and since we're talking about an an AR world series and that's a piece of mandatory equipment, um, I'm probably going to go with, you know, how sleeping bags have gotten so small and lightweight and compressible.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting. You know, I just started asking this question and I don't think anybody's had the
1: same answer yet. Oh, I, yeah, I believe, I mean. What can I guess what Pete might have said? Um, yeah. You remember? Was it shoes? Uh,
0: no. Uh, I think think he said packs. Okay. I think don't quote me on that, but, um, and then, uh, JD, you know, JD, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, watches.
1: I was going to, that was actually my first thing that I was, I was going to respond with was watches with the GPS and the ambits and the garments and, yeah, it's incredible. If, you, if you're talking like the last 10 years, it, yeah. it probably probably is the, the biggest advancement.
0: And then um, I think, here's the thing, I've talked to like, I've had like, it's been a really good week, two weeks for interviews, I had like 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the one which I would have thought actually would have been what everybody said first
1: is lights. Oh, that's actually, you know what, <laughs> that's another good one. So. I can't argue that with LED technology. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's mean, that's probably the winner. Well, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I, I remember taking a five-cell Maglite D-Maglite and taping it onto a bike handlebar to go for a <laughs> night ride. So, Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, here, you know this question's coming. Um, your best and worst six hours.
1: Oh... Jeez, I, I knew that was coming, and I, would, I thought about it this morning, and I, I didn't want to throw Grant under the bus with saying the Abenaki, or I guess I I, did, I just I just did. Yeah, I um, but I I don't know. I've been racing a long time, and I think like I've I've had to last year in in uh, Brazil, I had to pull out because of uh, infections in my blisters and things like that, and that that's tough. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of. I mean, it's it's. It's somewhat controllable, I guess. Maybe I should have taken better care of my feet. But I've been the navigator, primary navigator for, you know, the past 10, 12 years. Well, when Pete's on the team, he's usually the primary. But there, you know, there's there's nothing worse than when you've, you know, had a major sort of screw up. You really put the onus on yourself. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I've had like a few. There there was a few where I, I think, you know, we, we sort of um, didn't do as well as we wanted to. And that's that's sort of on me. So, you know, from a personal note, any sort of navigation, big error that I've made. And I don't think I make that many anymore, but it's more when I started out, it used to, you know, really bother me now. I, I let it go a little easier and, and I think I minimize the amount of mistakes I make. Um, but I, I also think of like team dynamics that I've had and and where they just haven't been ideal. And, and those aren't enjoyable when you're on a team and, and you're really not enjoying what you're doing and... and um you know, like the, there's there's some conflict on a team or something like that. That's that's probably the the worst uh, time during adventure racing.
0: I can see that. And and you're not talking about that two hours when everybody's mad at each other for whatever stupid reason. It's no, like, it's like just the team dynamics don't work cause...
1: it's the team. Yeah, and I've I've gone into like expedition racing where you know there was arguments going in, and you knew that it was just not going to be an ideal situation and you knew that certain people were probably going to argue quite often throughout the race. And, you know, you just, you didn't even look forward to going and this is time you're spending away from family and friends and spend a lot of money on. And, um, that's, that's not ideal. And and luckily I've been on a good team for the last, you know, five, six years where we haven't, haven't had to worry about that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, is that something, um, that you've just, kind of consciously did with with running free is
1: like I'm picking people I like yeah kind of I mean like I when we first started out it really was like like I said when I first started out it was really just uh, hanging out with friends and it was Mm -hmm. it was fun and then I wanted to take it to another level and then the priority went from hanging out with friends to competing at a level that I was comfortable with and then um, once I got to that level and the dynamics weren't ideal, it seemed like the dynamics were sort of the last thing that I took care of. So not only now was I with people that I was physically um, on the same level with, but also, you know, like as far as uh, relationship-wise and, and personally got along with really well. And, and that's sort of what Running Free has been over the last five years is, you know, five or six of us that get along well. We're good friends. We we sort of keep in touch throughout racing and non-racing we you know might have dinner with one another every now and then and, and not talk about racing um, we're just sort of a good good group of friends and and that's sort of what I want to do with when I you know I have three kids and, and a wife and family and a job and if I'm going to take time away from that then I really want to make sure that I'm enjoying the people that I'm with
0: yeah well I I hear you there
1: <laughs> yeah
0: not that I have to worry about a team other than Lewis and <laughs> and if joel shows up joel's trying to come down too so
1: oh that'd be great yeah, yeah.
0: so feel sorry for me having to hang out with those guys
1: <laughs> up all up all yeah. hours and everything yeah yeah
0: well you know we we said we're getting the band back together from untamed and you know i get i get to be the uh honorary canadian yeah well <laughs> you yeah. know it it's it's kind of funny because I almost sort of feel that way because it seems like I know a lot more Canadian adventure racers, people involved with it, than in the U.S. Which is which I don't think is true. It just seems that way. So I don't yeah. know what it is about you guys.
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah, and I guess with your connection with Bree, they they tend to go to they sometimes will go to races that do have you know a fair number of Canadians yeah.
0: that are. Yeah. 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 So hey, well, okay. Here's the other thing. I know why I think that. What three years ago I went with Team Canada um, motocross team to n- motocross nations, and so I still feel like I'm part of them guys too. So, because I keep in touch with all of them. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I like yeah. I like Canadians. Um, it something you said I want to touch on a little bit uh, about equipment. Would with mandatory gear, will you go to the absolute minimum, or as a team, do you? think let's go maybe just with a little bit more and have some comfort
1: well we have (laughs) on our team we have james and he is the guy who usually brings extra of everything he's sort of our 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 mule and our and our strongest athlete actually so he, he can he can handle the extra weight but um yeah for 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 most of the time we try to go as minimum as possible. I mean, there's been times that we've been, you know, completely burned with overloading our packs, and and we've sort of learned, especially early on in the race, when you're not, I think, eating as much and you're going at a faster pace, it's it's generally a little safer to um, scrimp on items or, or food um and then later in the race that's when we try and be a little bit more conscious of the amount of calories that we're bringing and and warm clothes and things like that. So we we try to like we we joke a fair bit because Pete now lives in in France and we've done a fair bit of the the European races where I don't know these guys seem to be have nothing on them yet. There's a mandatory gear list as long as, you know, your arm and and I don't know how they get they sort of get by. So we we occasionally joke that we are, you know, putting holes in our, our packs just to save a little weight.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember, I think it was the first race Paul had ever did was like a 12 hour race in Breckenridge and closure was still racing and he had all his mandatory gear, which wasn't, you know, 12 hour race, not that much, um, on a string on his neck. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: wow, that's great.
0: Yeah. But, um, so, um, well, before I forget, Joel just said to tell you, hi, he's, He's on the other line so to speak
1: <laughs> oh okay cool
0: so see what i said about canadians um They're everywhere uh let's I see i think i answered i answered
1: your part about the worst 12 earths. oh yeah
0: give me the best yep i never
1: got around to the best but yeah. i mean it's it's that's another one that i could probably give you five answers for i i would say i don't have any specific um specific six-hour moment I mean whenever you finish a race with with a team that you you've worked hard with obviously it's sort of a cliche but th- yeah. those are great times if if I had to like pick a race specifically that I think and I'm sure Paulette might agree with me is is you know we went down into the Patagonian expedition race mm-hmm. in 2010 or 11 or something like that and I mean that to me was that was sort of my inspiration behind a little bit of adventure racing was as soon as I started, I had heard of that race and it was always on my It was like the one, if I do anything in adventure racing, I have to do that. So we went down there with a great team. We did, you know, really well. We were actually leading the race after the first, I think two or three days and we ended up falling back. But that, that's, didn't matter but it just was the terrain and the even just the teams were very supportive it seemed it was a competitive race but at the same time you really felt like you were out there with other teams and if something had happened to another team you would without a second thought you know go to help them or something like that it just had a great sort of atmosphere there
0: so yeah that's uh it kind of universally everybody's like yeah i'd go back to patagonia
1: oh it's just the terrain and the scenery and just oh it just is unreal
0: so okay one more question and then this is this is going to be a huge podcast because i'm going to have you guys all on the same show
3: oh okay we're going to do an all
0: canadian show actually that's what joel and i are going to talk about is how to uh when to put it out and how to maximize it and you know all that media stuff but sure um what's you know what's the other other than worlds? what's the race you want to do
1: uh, oh, you know i mean yeah patagonia and and I think i i probably want to go back to Patagonia before i even there's the one in uh Alaska right now that's being talked about that's yeah. always been you know some place that I've wanted to go
2: yeah
1: it's is it the ex
0: expedition? expedition Alaska, yeah,
1: yeah, I don't know if that's gonna come into fruition or if it's just you know hype right now, I think that would be pretty cool to go there. Yeah. Um so that's the only real I mean I, I feel like I've I've sort of been on most continents doing some sort of expedition race so um there's nothing uh, the the god zone in New Zealand that that's sort of another one but I don't know if if uh you know time-wise I can sort of make that sacrifice but yeah I would say probably uh yeah either that Alaska one or the god zone would be great to go to.
0: So, yeah, I think those would be nice. So cool. So all right. Well, you know how we, you want to close the podcast? You know how it does it. How we do it, right?
1: Oh, I yeah. guess <laughs> it's like uh, race hard, take chances. Is that it? Go fast and take chances. Go fast, take chances. Yeah, almost had it.
0: You were pretty close. So
1: well. Uh, well, yeah. I guess I'll see you in Ecuador, Randy. That's gonna be a cool time. Yeah, looking forward to looking forward to seeing you down there.
0: All right. Sounds good. Okay, take care. All right, thanks. Bye. Okay, bye, Randy. I'm doing good. Uh, All right, making sure everything's working here. Yeah. I don't want to do the not record thing that I've done several times.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I bet that's not much fun.
0: No, well, actually, I only did that once. That was with Kyle, and then I had two hard drive failures.
4: Oh, geez. Um.
0: That I couldn't get back, so yeah, that's
4: that'll be fun. Saying, uh, "Hey, could you just say everything that you said a little while ago? Could you say it all again?"
0: <laughs> well, you know, when when um, with both of them, we didn't pre- we didn't pretend that it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Because it's a lot of like, well, when we talked last time, we talked about this. That's but, right. Yeah,
4: yeah, <laughs> a little different conversation, right? Yeah, As I said before.
0: <laughs> yes exactly. All right, yeah. so I'm going to start you out with a hard question. Oh. Uh give me the full team name. Full team name.
4: Yeah. <laughs> is Raid Team Raid International Gaspé Z Exact Nutrition powered by Osprey.
0: Uh that's pretty close except you know you got to have Canada on there first. <laughs> that's right, yeah.
4: So, it's
0: like Team Australia, you know, is is Australia Team Australia. Oh nice. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um so how did this team come about? For uh,
4: So uh, Harper and Pete and I have been racing for a little while. Yeah.
3: Hi, everybody. Sorry. Hi. Um, are you gonna ask me the same questions? Is it a problem if I hear what you say? What you say, or um, do you want I, you going to go in another room?
0: No, because there'll be some of the same, but there'll be some different ones too. So you can you can listen. That's fine. Okay. <laughs>
4: Now that she screwed all that up, did you want to start again?
0: <laughs> no, because I don't want anybody to ever think that this is any sort of a professional
4: oh, podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving along. Yeah. Yeah, so uh so Pete and Harper and I have raced together numerous times. Yeah. And then uh Natalie and I raced uh a couple times previously, and uh, uh yeah, so that's kind of how the team came together. We uh our regular female teammates have all uh been having babies?
0: Yeah, isn't that That seems <laughs> the way that goes. <laughs> yeah,
4: and uh, it had great experience racing with Natalie every time we raced with her. So uh, we uh, we brought her on to join us, and then uh, picked up a few sponsors, and she's been a huge help with that. And uh, so yeah, we've been uh, we've been racing together all season.
0: So, um, so what is what's what's your goal at Worlds?
4: To finish the full course and to finish it well, I guess. Okay. Um, we certainly would like to be competitive. I think, just like any world championships, if if you can finish the full course, you're probably going to make yourself into the, you know, top 15, top 20.
0: Yeah. yeah. So
4: I think the goal of finishing the course is probably the the primary goal, and then uh, I think that would probably put us in a pretty good position, uh, ranking-wise. Besides that. Yeah. So how do you um,
0: feel about the elevation?
4: uh it's a little daunting i i honestly don't have any experience in high elevation uh-huh. um done quite a few races but uh, nothing at super high elevation so this will be a, a new test for me um which may or may not be a good thing maybe it's good to go in <laughs> a little bit blind but i've heard a lot of stories and uh i've gained a lot of knowledge just from listening to other people's experiences so i think that'll be helpful but uh until I'm actually out there uh, suffering with everybody else, I think it's a it's a bit of a a, a blank for me. I'm not sure exactly what to expect, but uh,
2: yeah,
4: I guess knowing that all the teams are in the same boat, some will have a little more uh, altitude training um, or altitude experience may be helpful to them. But uh, I I like the fact that you know we're going with a team, and I think probably everybody else on the team has some experience at altitude, so I think that will be helpful yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, Pete's been riding in the alps so that should help right
4: yeah that's a, that's a huge help to have pete uh training in france right now in, uh, and uh we're living in france and training uh pretty much everywhere around the world so uh yeah that's a that'll be a huge help to have him there so um do you think this is going to be more fun
0: than riding around in the back of a pickup like you did last year yeah <laughs>
4: yeah it was uh you know i enjoyed the experience last year but there's just nothing like racing yeah uh, you know, it just made me want to get out there and race. And it was, at least I could get out there and be on foot with the, you know, with the lead team. So that was actually really fun and a really eye-opening experience. But uh, nothing beats racing. So I'm yeah. excited to be back uh, on the other side. So do you think, well,
0: um, for people that don't know, you did some filming for, for,
4: uh, who are you filming for? But for A Japanese film crew. Okay. So they were filming the Japanese team.
0: So do you think that kind of helps? Being at a world championship, even though you weren't racing, but you kind of, you know, were part of it and seeing what teams were doing and, and what it takes.
4: Absolutely, just because I, uh, I mean, I got to follow the 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 lead teams in the race. So just to see at what you know, kind of at what pace they moved in a long trek section, to see what kind of decisions they made, how they made their decisions. How they work together as a team. Um, I've always wanted to see that. Yeah. So I'm super excited that I got. I actually got to you know witness that firsthand. How the best teams in the world do it. Because um, I certainly don't think they were making any changes for the camera. No. So, so that was really really great for me in terms of uh, you know experience watching the best teams in action in the middle of nowhere. I mean sometimes you get to see them in transitions or whatever, and you get to see how they do that. But I think it's rare that someone else gets to watch them perform in the middle of nowhere and see, you know, see what they do and how they do it and how quickly they do it. So it gave me a kind of an idea of, you know, how, how fast they'll move in a, in like a long track section or how they make their decisions.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's for me and the media point of adventure racing is that's, that's what's coming more and more is being out there with them and and bringing people into that, bringing, taking them out of the transition and onto the race course.
4: Yeah, and I think that that will change uh, the interest in adventure racing too, from a, a, a you know perspective of someone who's watching mm-hmm. to be able to see you know what are those teams doing. You know, in those hours where we kind of lose track of them, yeah. you know, yep. where nobody else is really uh, seeing what's going on or knowing you know exactly what's going on, to be able to to get some video footage of that or to be able to see it in real time or shortly after, I think will be amazing for the yeah. sport.
0: Yeah, that, that's I hope so. Um, so, how did you get? Into this nutsy world.
4: Uh, uh, funny enough, when I was a teenager, I saw Eco Challenge on TV,
2: uh-huh.
4: and I thought that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And and then I, you know, kind of talked with a few friends. we like, yeah, we should go do that. And then we saw how much it cost, and said, <laughs> well, that's the end of that idea. Um, and I had kind of given up on the idea because I didn't do any of that, any of those sports. I mean, I, I didn't grow up mountain biking. I didn't grow up, uh, you know, in the woods or anything like that. Um, paddling, skiing, nothing like that. Um, In southwestern Ontario, there's really not much of that. (laughs) So, uh, when I moved to Ottawa, I I met a few people that were actually doing some adventure racing, and I went out, Uh, one of them had raced a few times before. Um, So, Our first race was a winter race, he took us out for a winter race, and uh, it was, oh geez, it was uh, about minus 20, minus 25 Celsius. And our bikes, like the cables on our bikes, were freezing and everything. And we're about five hours into the race. And I literally said out loud, I'm like, I'm completely hooked. This is the coolest (laughs) thing. And uh, that was the start of it. That was probably uh, about 10 years ago now. Yep. And uh, so I've been trying to, you know, get stronger and build my skills more and more every year to be able to to race at a high level as I can.
0: So that's something that I'm really finding. Well, of course, we're talking. I'm talking to adventure racers, but every adventure racer I talk to has that feeling that you had the first first time you go out, like this is it.
4: Um, yeah, yeah, it's. Go ahead, sorry.
0: Uh, well, there's nobody that's like does it a couple times and then says, well, yeah, maybe, and then keeps doing it. It's just like there's like a, you either do or you don't. I don't.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, because. You know, I still remember that experience very clearly, and yeah. i I was not, I was not comfortable. I was not, you know, in a, in a good spot. I was struggling and frozen cold, and but I was still like, "This is still awesome. This is, you know, really cool." And I think that, um, well, I think as adventure racers, you kind of carry that with you that you don't expect it to be comfortable or easy, and that that's part of the the struggle and the challenge. I think that makes it so exciting.
0: Yeah, it it, it really is. So, so um, you know, you you started in winter. What mm-hmm. was your what was your first, um, I mean, how, well, how long was that race?
4: That was, a like a five to eight hour race. Okay. So yeah. when did you do your first expedition length? That was, uh, 2009, I believe. That was Patagonia with Harper. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, the funny story about how Harper and I actually met doing a race together. We were doing a solo race and he just happened to bike up to me towards the end of the race and, uh, he said, hey, do you mind if I hang with you? And then we just got to talking. Both were interested in trying to find a team to do a longer race.
2: Uh-huh.
4: Uh, neither one has, had done a, a long race before. And so uh, he got in touch with me the following year and said, hey, remember me? So that's how we got connected anyways. Um, but, uh, yeah, the first race was Patagonia. It was mm-hmm. the, uh, the first really, really big race. And uh, we uh, we did we did well. I, I mean, I was happening with how we performed, but we certainly learned some pretty big lessons uh From inexperience. (laughs)
0: Yeah, doesn't everybody in Patagonia, though? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So when, I mean, when the idea of Patagonia came up, were you just like, um, here's here's what I think most adventure racers would say. Patagonia? Yeah, why not?
4: That's exactly (laughs) it. Sounds like fun. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
4: Um, I like the pictures that I've seen. It sounds like a, you know. How hard can it be? I mean, it looks like it's challenging, but but hey, we'll be going really slow, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> so.
4: Yeah. I remember uh, we went. Uh, this is kind of this kind of really drove it home for us. I think was uh, they had a uh, you had to do some testing to prove your skills on the water section. Yeah. And uh, so we were on the water section. We had brought uh, like kind of wetsuits, a, a, a mishmash of of wetsuits, because you had I think it was five millimeters of of wetsuit material everywhere. We had Farmer John's with like, you know, long sleeve tops and stuff like that. But it was, it was a mess basically. <laughs> and when you got in the boat, you could barely paddle because you had so much neoprene on. And the other teams that showed up all had dry suits. Yeah. And so we did the test and stuff like that. And we came back and, um, uh, the guy that was kind of in charge of it, they had the, the, uh, the Marines were there with their binoculars, like watching you from the shore and timing you. So it was pretty official. And you had yep. a... I think you had, uh, I forget how many minutes it was to to do a, a roll, a wet exit, and then get back in the boat and, and uh, pump it out and put the uh, the skirt back on. So we did it. We got in time, and we got back to shore, and, and uh, the organizer said, uh, okay, I need to talk to you. And so we, so we we're thinking, well, we passed. I don't know what he's got to say. He said, well, um, he said, you need to understand that, you know, help is not 10 minutes away here. He said, you're in the middle of nowhere. And he said... You need to understand that if you know if you get yourself in trouble, you die. Yeah. I said yeah, yeah, we get that. And he said no, no. And he looked us right in the face. and Said you die. And we were just like, oh, this guy's really serious. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so that kind of brought you know brought it home. Mm-hmm. And then we actually got in the water when you're crossing the Beagle Channel. There, I was like, okay, I see what he's talking about here. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. It. So, it, so um, I'm going to say that that might have been the scariest. Even, Point of a race that you've ever been in uh no
4: actually, oh yeah okay no, so tell I... me
0: the tell me the one time where you said this is we shouldn't be doing this I might die
4: yeah I'll tell you the one that sticks out most anyways okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, was uh Raid the North Extreme uh oh I forget what year it was um anyways we were it was there was a 14 hour paddle section um and uh we had lost a teammate already to, uh, to injury, and so we were three of us, <clears throat> and uh, we were, I think, about probably, I don't know, 10 hours into this paddle, and it was through the night and stuff like that. <laughs> Anyways, we were getting freezing cold, and the tide was so strong that we actually realized after about an hour and a half, we realized we, we had seen the same things on the shore that we had seen an hour and a half before, and realized we actually weren't moving. Wow. So we were like, oh my god. <laughs> And then we started getting nervous, and um, the the girl on our team at the time she was in one of the boats all by herself because then we were towing,
2: mm-hmm.
4: uh, because we were only three of us. And then she started to panic a little bit and said, "What happens is if the boat gets detached, or you know, if the rope comes loose?" So we decided we would pull to shore because it was useless, and we were getting cold anyways. We pulled to shore, and uh, we're like, "Okay, we got to get a fire started here because we're you know we're freezing," and. uh... So we all just kind of put all our energy and all of our, you know, all of our mental fortitude into building this fire. So we tried to find anything that was dry, which was pretty much impossible. It was Haida Gwaii, that's what it was. Um, and uh, so you know, we gathered all this stuff that was probably mostly wet anyways, but and then we went through all of our first aid kit and everything and pulled out everything that was paper. We got this pile together and we like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and then we went to start the fire and the lighter was dead. <laughs> And and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we knew we were in the middle of nowhere, and we just kind of all looked at each other and we just said, "Oh, this is this is bad. Like yeah. this is this is really really not a good situation to be in because we were all frozen. And we had, you know, like we had one plan and we had no backup plan. <laughs> wow. So uh, we came up with a backup plan, which was to take our uh, our bivy sacks and to cut holes in them to put them on kind of like a dress mm-hmm. top. And then we got back in the boats, and even though we knew it was going to be useless, we wouldn't get very far. We just paddled to stay warm, basically, until the tide went away. Yeah. And uh, and then kept going. And we ended up walking our, you know, after a little while, we ended up walking our boats along the shore. We rolled our boat. There was those inflatable garbage boats. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we ended up throwing them on our backs, you know, strapping them to our backpacks and walking along the shore as much as we could um, just to stay out of the water. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, that really drove it home where, you know, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what was going to happen at that point, <laughs> and I was a little nervous.
0: So, but I mean, here's the thing: you, you probably went raced a month later again.
4: Yeah, let's. Yeah, you know, it's it's like, just, I'll never do that again. I'll bring two lighters.
0: <laughs> yeah, a, and some waterproof matches, and and this and exactly. that, and some flint and some steel. And
4: <laughs> it's funny though how you have those situations and you're just like, oh, okay, well, we just got to do this next time, and you kind of almost downplay what it actually was at the time. Yeah. Think oh well, there's a solution to that. We just won't do that anymore. And uh, meanwhile, when you think about what you actually lived at that moment, it was it was pretty scary. Yeah, but um do
0: you find when you're telling AR stories that you're always telling the when I almost died stories instead of the oh man, the sunrise was
4: really great. Yeah, it's funny. I was I was just telling stories to uh, some people the other day. Um, uh, we had dinner and uh, we were just kind of, they said, so, what, you know, tell me more about your racing and um, Natalie and I both were, were chatting with them and, and after about 45 minutes of them watching us with their <laughs> wide eyes and shaking their heads, I, I kind of realized, wow, we just told them about all the like really crazy, crazy stuff about the sport and that's really a small part of it. Yeah. You know, when you think about kind of the, the most amazing parts of the sport are really the the views we get to have, the the teamwork, you know, uh, just being in the, in the places that nobody else gets to go to, or very few people ever get to see that kind of thing. But it's funny whenever we get together with people, you always end up telling these crazy stories. And I think, uh, you know, my mother's the perfect example where I, I tell her stories that I always regret because then she just worries.
0: Yes. Yes. My mother told me a long time ago when I, when I was racing, she says, don't, don't tell me where you're going or what you're doing. And, and just give me the the framework when you get back. I don't want to know. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so,
4: well, now uh, she can follow the stories on online. My mother can follow this, you know, follow the team online. So every time something comes up like, Oh, you know, this, the team Canada had to stop or whatever. And, you know, she'll start speculating and yeah. always <laughs> assuming the worst.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, Oh, they have a move for three days. Well, hopefully, right. hopefully it's the tracker.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, if you were going to design a race for you, yeah, tell me, tell me yeah. what it would be.
4: Huh. Honestly, it would probably be one of the like shittiest races that there is, <laughs> mm-hmm. in the sense of if I want if I wanted to be successful at it, I guess. Yeah, I I think our team has grown to become a team that does better than most teams in terrible weather, in terrible terrain, in tough conditions. Uh huh. Uh-uh. It's, it sucks when you have to go to a race to, and hope for bad weather, to, to you know to to do better. But yeah. I think every time we run into bad weather, I think we've done fairly well uh, compared to many teams. Um, I like those tough challenges. I I really like, you know, if it's just flat and fast. Um, for example, for example, we did uh, Apex in Switzerland, which was a gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful race. I yes. mean, for the scenery, it was just unbelievable. Mhm. We had no chance to keep up because it was it was a running race and it was you know it was all on gravel roads and pavement and things like that yeah. and trails that led all over and, and again it uh, you know it was amazing in terms of uh, uh, the views and stuff like that but to be successful at something like that would doesn't fit my skill set at all
0: yeah
4: yeah um, so I would design something that's probably uh, long and quite challenging and there's it's really a lot of slogs in there mentally and physically. Yep. Um, which is a, you know, it's a double-edged sword a little bit in the sense that it's not that I really want those things, but I think I like the challenge of them and uh, that's where I tend to do well.
0: Yeah. Well, I talked to uh, Danielle Belangy this week and she said she likes brutal races. Yeah. Because she's, it's not that she's any better, it says that it's other people are worse.
4: <laughs> yeah. Fair enough.
0: That's a good way to put it, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. So cool. Um, sweet.
4: Yeah, I guess uh, just to to add a little bit to the the, yeah. the difficult races, I I think the thing I like the most about the difficult races in particular, and I guess adventure racing more general, is that you know there's there's pretty much a point in every race where I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, kind of that you know stay tuned after the commercial break, we'll see what's going to happen, and you really don't know. That, that happens to me almost every race where I really don't know how things are going to turn out. And I, I I almost look forward to that point in a race. That's kind of the crux for me. And it's I I like not knowing because then it it's the the option is mine basically or ours as a team to say okay well we can do two things here, you know we can shut it down or we can try and uh, see if we can get through this. And and I, I really like coming up against that point, even though it's not always pleasant or not always easy or not always fun. Yeah. But uh, I think that's one of the things that draws me most to the sports. There's always that that point in a race where you just you're not sure. If you're going to make it or not or if you're going to be able to make it you know uh competitively or not
0: yeah yeah exactly and it's and it's it's never the same place for the same for two different teams and it's yeah it's just always something different
4: yeah and it's so fun afterwards to talk to other teams about where they you know where they had their struggles and what they did and that's such a fun part of the sport is that that aspect after the race of you know even the even the teams that won want to know what the the teams that finished you know near the back of the pack, well, I don't know what they did or where they went yeah. or how they did it and those kind of things. So it's a great sport for that.
0: Yeah, it really is. Except don't you hate it when the other team says, oh, really? You struggled
4: with that one? We walked
0: right to it. That's right. We
4: found a little trail <laughs> that led right to it. And you're just like, oh, no. Yeah. It went
0: right by this little store that was open. In...
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've heard a few of those. Yeah.
0: Exactly. All right. Well, let's close this segment out and then I'll just talk to Natalie. How's that sound? Awesome. All right, so i got to close it the traditional way with, um, you know, go fast and take chances and, and uh, hope, hope you have a good time at altitude.
4: Excellent. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.
2: Hello.
0: Hi, Natalie. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you?
3: I'm pretty good. I'm pretty nervous.
0: Well, you should be because I'm like the worst person in the world. <laughs> all right so we'll start out with we'll start out with an easy question okay what's the name of the team
3: red international gas exact nutrition powered by us
0: um i think so far you've got the best rendition of the name of the team
3: <laughs> i think that's because i put it together that's true <laughs>
0: um when i asked pete he's like um i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but then he did come up with it so that uh Nobody,
3: like, nobody says our full name anyway.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. So we'll we'll just uh, you need to come up with a what you like for a name, the short name, and we'll use that.
3: <laughs> I know, but sponsors-wise, we we had to to please everyone.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's a huge huge part of it. So you kind, it sounds like you kind of put together the 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 sponsorship for it. How and, and I don't want any, you know, any secrets or anything. How hard is it to find a sponsor?
3: Yeah. Um, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of time. And I'm uh, unfortunate enough that I um I worked in uh, the outdoor industry.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So I'm in contact a lot with reps and companies. Yeah. So it's a little easier for me to get in touch with those persons. Um so for an equipment point of view kind of sponsorship. Yeah. We are I think pretty lucky. Um but then money wise it's uh it's a totally different game and I haven't been able to to manage that one very well yet.
0: Yeah, I mean it you know, who do, who does?
3: I mean, <laughs>
0: I mean that really says something about the sport that that you know, four people will fork out a lot of money to go Abuse themselves. Um, to me, I mean, it's like you—you you must really love what you do.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. You have to, I guess. Like, I mean, it's it's totally our lives, right? Yeah. In between all the training you put in and and the racing, like, mm. seriously. If I didn't have a partner who's doing the same thing with me, I would never see him.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's. I know how that goes for sure. So, so how did how did you get started? With the adventure racing,
3: um, I uh, I wasn't really sporty when I was younger, and um, I moved to Australia in uh, I think two thousand and seven or two thousand yeah around there. I moved to Australia and um, I was a smoker until my eighteen
2: yeah.
3: eighteen years old, and I uh, decided to quit smoking uh, because someone told me I couldn't. <laughs> So I stopped smoking and decided that I needed to do something else, and I started running. So I was doing like 10-minute runs or or so, and then when I moved to Australia, I realized that everybody was up at 5 a.m. in the morning, swimming, running, cycling, and and the people I met were like triathletes, so they got me into triathlon, and uh, I couldn't swim to save my life or ride a bike like much, but I learned. Yeah. And, um, and I realized that I really sucked, like I was really slow, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if I increase my distances I had the same pace and um, so I did like the try my try and then a sprint distance and then I went to the Olympic distance and did a half Ironman yeah. within a year and something and realized that I had the same pace for the half Ironman than for a sprint distance, so I was actually getting better. Uh-huh. Um, and then someone introduced me to kayaking and I I was actually pretty good at it right away and I liked it and I was like ah oh, screw swimming like I'm just gonna paddle instead and they introduced me to adventure racing and within a, a year I was doing my first expedition
0: in so, so what was your what was your first first expedition
3: XPD Cairns in
0: 2010 okay so um, this I've actually been talking to a lot of people in the last week or so. Just for some reason, everybody's schedule has come together, so it's been nice. Um, it's one of the f- adventure racing is one of the few sports where you can be racing at a world class level with all the best teams in the world in a year. So, yep. was it was it a little daunting that first expedition race, or were you were you really ready for it?
3: Oh, I was absolutely not ready. <laughs> it was painful it was a 10-day race yeah. i think we got like eight and a half days out of it and then they pulled us out because we were like too slow um some of the best team i think did one of the hike in like 20 something hours and we were out for 42.
2: yeah
0: so,
3: so yeah and we had like massive backpacks our navigation was really poor um and we, well, we we're like four newbies, four rookies, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, it was a really tough. I I've, I've barely done like a twenty-four hour race before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, but it wasn't enough to make you stop doing it. So there must you must have had a good time anyway.
3: Um, I had a I had a really hard time, but um, I think because I'm really stubborn and I'm not a quitter. Uh-huh. I hate quitting. And uh, the fact that we got un- unranked really bothered me. Yeah. And so I was like, that's it. Like I'm doing another one. Okay. I, I just needed to prove that I'm, uh, that I'm capable of finishing one, and uh, and so I did. And I've never never quit uh, an expedition race at least, um, so far. I had oh. to quit a stage race, but not an expedition
0: race. Yeah, stage races don't quite count. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they do but um so here's here's something some people find it a hard hard question and some find it easy what was your best and worst 6 hours of racing
3: Best and worst in the same time?
0: No, I mean, you know, the, oh. when when was the best one and what was the worst time?
3: Oh my god. Uh <laughs> The worst time, I think I think it's actually the worst and the best in the same time. And uh, I would say it's not a six hours, but like a twelve hours or even yeah. twenty. It was a gold rush <laughs> with a team soul <laughs> when they made me go like through the forest fire. Okay. And uh, I think they all agreed in the team that they pushed my limit way over what anybody think, thought it was possible to do. So And I, I thought I would die. I uh, honestly, I, I thought that was it. That I was done. But. I wouldn't get out of this race alive, and so it uh, it pushed me to uh, to a limit that I've never reached before.
0: So, uh, well, do you think, you know, going past your limit like that? Do you okay? Is your limit higher now? Do you do you feel that you can do more than you thought you could before?
3: Ah, uh, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, is it safe? I don't think so. Okay. But um, but yeah, I know that I can do more than my brain thinks I can.
0: So um so was that what team was that just a team that you picked up on or went with or a regular team that you usually race with?
3: Uh
0: at Gold Rush.
3: Yeah, but that was Team Soul. No, that was a one off um they needed someone to fill up their team and I met uh Karen and um and Paul uh at yeah. Un uh Team New England that year and uh yeah.
0: Okay. And and this is my question because they push you where you didn't want to go. If if it had been like a regular like your regular team, do you think you might have uh, said no? But because it was somebody you didn't really know, you went with it.
3: I did say no. Okay,
0: <laughs> they didn't <laughs> let <you> go.
3: <laughs> um, my team wouldn't have gone.
0: Okay, so it, it, this is kind of funny because um, Paul was pacing. Uh, a runner at the Tahoe two hundred and she kinda she said no and he couldn't get her to move. <laughs>
3: well, so
0: she said we, no a lot harder than you did.
3: <laughs> no, it's just that they had like they yeah. had the maps and stuff, so if they keep moving, like what do I do? Like yeah. do I sit down my rock? <laughs> well. So I had to go with the team, right? Yeah.
0: Well you do, and you know, I guess in the in the long run it, it worked out. So um, Yeah, but they, I, but I can see how that was bad and good. You
2: if, know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, um, here's here's a semi-female question, but and I know the guys on the team fairly well. I mean, you know, I've met them all and sort of know who they are. I'm guessing you're as probably as much or more a part of the team as any of the guys. Where, and I ask this because I've been watching some old videos. And where the women were just mandatory gear. Um, so, what's what's your role on the team?
3: Well, I'm uh, I'm usually the one who gets organized, um, yeah. especially in transition. Um, transition is my strength. I uh, I get organized really quickly, and usually I can help moving the team. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: sometimes we don't like it because I yell a little bit, but. Uh, <laughs> But I get the team moving, I guess. Um, so that's my role and, and the paddling. So. <laughs> James is doing like the little paddle behind me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm a, i uh, am I guess I'm a, I'm an okay paddler. Yeah. Um, so. so usually like if I'm with James in, in a boat, like we're going to be in front.
0: So it, it well, that's interesting. What, but of course, when I, the rare occasions when I paddle with Paulette, like the, two times yeah she's in the front nice sit in the back and take pictures so <laughs> uh, it's good to have a strong female paddler as far as i'm concerned so um what what are you looking forward to most in ecuador at worlds
3: um
0: <laughs> and you can't say finishing <laughs>
3: oh, okay
0: because everybody's looking forward to that
3: I, I would like for once to see like some nice animals that don't want to kill me
0: that would be nice, yeah. I can see that. Yeah,
3: because the only ones that I've seen in uh in Costa Rica last year were, like, snakes and snakes and crocodiles.
0: Yeah, so that's about all. I, well, I I saw some monkeys.
3: Well, see, I missed monkeys. I missed, like, the toucan and, like, all the cute stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, some of the snakes were cute, but I didn't miss. Them.
0: Yeah, of course, some of those monkeys looked at you like they wanted to kill you anyway, so... <laughs> But, so
3: yeah, uh, I would say that, and uh, and I don't know to discover a country that I've I've never been to before.
0: So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Is yeah, seeing some new a new country should be pretty interesting. But um, um, well, you know what, you guys have been great with your time. So now all I got to do is talk to Harper, and we'll have a podcast. How's that sound? Sounds good. Um, if you would. Um send me some links to your sponsors so I can put them in. Yeah, for sure. the podcast so they people can go and uh and uh you know support them because they're helping out a lot with the, with the team.
3: Well, we are all on our blog, but okay. I will uh I'll send you our blog uh, blog okay. link.
0: That would that would be great so I can put that up. Um and then this is I don't know exactly when I'm going to put this up but it's sometime right probably before Worlds. So People can uh, see who you are and be excited about following you online. (laughs) So, All right, so I'm going to do the same thing for you that I did for James and say everybody go fast and take chances and have a good time.
3: Thank you very much.
0: Okay, well, if we don't talk to you before, we'll see you in Ecuador.
3: See you in Ecuador. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, bye. Hello?
5: Are you there, Pete? You there, Pete? Is it, yeah, I'm here.
3: Okay,
0: cool. So,
5: how you been? I'm I'm not doing too badly, thanks. I just I literally got in the door. Uh, <laughs> I, I ran home, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a good man.
5: <laughs> so, um,
0: well, let's uh, here's we'll start with the hard question. Is that okay?
5: Uh, oh, you're 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 like ready to roll, ready. Oh, to we're roll.
0: ready to roll. We just we just. There's none of this messing around. We just go.
5: <laughs> so
0: half the time, the funnest stuff is is it right at the start. So
5: right when We're, someone's uh, full full of energy and ready to roll. Yeah. We got it.
0: So uh, what's the full name of your team that you're racing with at Worlds?
5: I <laughs> have the foggiest idea. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, Raid International. This is like a you know the Jeopardy question. What is Ra- Raid International Gaspe Z? Powered by uh, Exact Nutrition, yes, <laughs> something
0: like that. Oh, that's pretty good. I
5: think you or Rig for short. How's that?
0: That's even that's even easier. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I think a lot of people probably know who you are, but we're getting getting some new people, so just a little a little background into
5: you. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm the I'm the. The Canadian living in France right now, <laughs> um, which is uh, pretty cool being able to move to the mountains. Um, I, I'm from Southern Ontario and so is my wife. So moving into, we, we live in Annecy in France, which is right on the cusp of the uh, western edge of the Alps in France. So uh, we live about 600 meters from a lake and about, uh, I don't know, maybe like another 600 meters from the, a trailhead that uh, on a mountain that goes up to about about uh, I don't know, fourteen hundred meters or so. So it's uh it's pretty cool to live in such I mean the, the road riding here is just unbelievably epic. So for us it's 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 just an incredible playground to to move to from you know, Southern Ontario has got some pluses as well. Um but uh it's it's great to be here. From an adventure racing perspective, um I got into the sport um I mean I grew up playing hockey and volleyball. Back in Southern Ontario, so adventure racing is kind of a not the next logical step, but you know, m- my buddies and I and my family have always been sort of outdoorsy people, and mm-hmm. I like to compete, I guess. <laughs> um, so when uh, the guy named Dave Zietzma was was putting on his first race called Raid the North back in the day, um, nineteen ninety eight, it was a, a summer job for me between third and fourth year university, and he needed a needed an event event manager. So I had never heard of adventure racing before. I was, you know, 22 years old or something, and um, he—he was Dave Zietzma was uh, a guy who'd competed in Eco Challenge a couple of times and was a management consultant and decided to quit his job and start this company. So he hired me over the phone, and, and I lived in Toronto for a summer and we staged Canada's first eastern canada rather cuz eco challenge had been in bc in 96
2: mm-hmm.
5: so we staged uh, eastern canada's first adventure race called raid the north um, and uh, basically through that experience it, you know i've been i've been sort of hooked ever since just seeing um, you know people cross the finish line you know grown grown men brought to tears with the pride that they had crossing the finish line and the hardship they'd endured over the course of 36 hours or or so, um, you know. Just seeing that, I, w- I was hooked. So I kind of got into it after that, and, and met my wife through adventure racing. So it's, and in fact, you know, I work for Salomon uh, in at the HQ and in, in here in France. So Salomon was kind of the first company to really go and support adventure racing in a big way, and from a sporting goods perspective. So I, I guess really the adventure racing has been a has been and continues to be a big part of uh, of my life.
0: Yeah, well as they uh, used to say on Saturday night live, adventure racing been very, very good to you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, yeah. Well yeah, if 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 nothing else, I've I've gotten married through it. So that's that's a pretty good uh, beginning and ending right there.
0: Hey, I met Paulette through uh bike racing, so Right on. There you go. Um so you actually were putting on events before you started racing?
5: Yeah, yeah. I um well I I, I mean it kind of my my first exposure to it was de- definitely on staging the race, yeah. um, and then uh, you know I finished school and started travel. I traveled and went, um, you know, got a job through in packaged goods and this type of stuff. But I I lasted about a year and a half doing, you know, real work. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, just quickly, I pretty quickly realized that I, I really had to really care and be passionate about what I was doing as a job. So. Um, I quit my job, and Dave Zietzman emailed me again. I was in New Zealand at the time, just after support crewing for a Southern Traverse race, um, and seeing a bunch of guys, buddies, cross the finish line at Eco Challenge that year in two thousand and one. And Dave, the the you know Frontier Adventure Racing had grown significantly since then. I had done a few Raid in the Norths myself, and he needed a he needed someone to to. Um, uh, be a sponsorship guy and um, also run the a new, a new series they they were starting called the Solomon Adventure Challenge. So, I moved back to moved back to Toronto and worked for Dave for a couple of years doing that. So over the course of two years, we put on probably about 30, 30 races. Um, so I, I you know I've I've learned a lot through watching as yeah. well. You know you see thirty races worth of teams going in and out of transition areas, start lines, finish lines everything in between. You, you learn a lot, um, especially from the best in the world, at, you know, races like Raid the North Experiment that we put on as well, and the Yukon and Atacokan. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was such a great, great way to really see the sport firsthand and um, get much that more experience from it for from my, own, my own racing as well.
0: Yeah. So in those early days when you were watching, was there any particular person or maybe even team that you really took a lot of lessons from
5: oh absolutely yeah I mean locally in in Canada at the time team spirit was that's was Dave Hitchin who you've, you've chatted with him and mm-hmm. his son before um guy like Dave Hitchin Chris Cook Darren Nevin uh, all these guys that that raced on team spirit back in the day they were just and continue to be tough as nails never quit ultra-competitive, but they have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. My, my wife has since raced with Dave, um, uh, you know, since then, which is kind of cool. Um, so, you know, guys like Team Spirit, Team Continuum from Quebec, uh, Simon River Sports. We had so many great battles with those guys, um, kind of the mid to late 2000s in southern Ontario and different races there. But international teams, I, I got to see... Uh, um, legends like Steve Gurney, Keith Murray, um John Jacoby, Monique Morel, uh all these types of folks that um you know go through the Ra- North Extreme in 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 um in the Yukon and other teams go through the same thing in in, in Ontario and just watching those guys, you know, prepare, how they do their maps, um you know how they how they go after a fifty fifty-two 52k off-trail trek. Um and just battle with all the adversity, but make it look easy and and come into a TA that doesn't doesn't even look like they're moving quickly. And all of a sudden, twenty minutes later, they've managed to put their paddling stuff away and start biking. And you're like, you know, my own racing. I'm lucky if I can change my shoes twenty minutes. So, um, yeah, it was it was seeing so many teams like that it was pretty uh, pretty great for my own racing.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So when you did start racing, did you, you know? What were some of the first races that you were into? Like- uh, my
5: first race was in ninety nine so at the time uh, um, thirty six hours was really all that existed. and mm-hmm. that was the entry point into adventure racing because you know eco challenge, raid gallois, Southern Traverse, those were the those were the races. and this mm-hmm. was sort of the raid raid the North was the the entry level into understanding what sleep strategy, nutrition, teamwork strategy was all about um so i jumped in you know both feet and uh did my first race in 99 with a bunch of friends and failed miserably <laughs> uh we went the full 36 hours but we weren't even remotely close to the finish line <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean it, the but you know the ones you, the experiences you remember the most were the ones that were the most trying sometimes and yeah. i remember every single bit of that uh Um, that race and would love to have some of the some of the sections back but um yeah i mean doing that appalachian extreme um some races in this other different races in the states uh other races around southern ontario um you know moving from trying to finish a race to going to trying to win a race Mm -hmm. was a big transition as well and uh yeah so it's been a you know a long i guess 15 years or so a long progression into what uh what's going on now i guess
0: yeah well that that's interesting how you say you know moving into trying to win races how did that sort of come about i mean did you do a few races and and was it like all of a sudden you thought wait we can we could win this or did you just start getting better
5: i think a bit of both the um um the the first race that I did trying to win it there was a you know team from New Brunswick that was coming to ontario to coming to quebec to do a to a race and called the um wilderness adventure race at the time and uh they you know I knew them from raid the north and they needed a fourth guy last minute and and uh I was sort of you know they were very clear on the goals and and uh I was like yeah you know I, I'm willing to go for it you know why not and, um, you know, because I had done a few races before then and, um, you know, it completed, completed, um, actually completed most, just failed that first one. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of time, I guess, to to see what was possible on the other side. And it was different. I mean, it was super intense from the get-go. You know, you're you're sprinting off the start line, jumping into whitewater rafts, just giving it everything you've got to get to a rope section first so you wouldn't have to worry about a bottleneck. And, I mean, it's the strategy the the, the the navigation decisions the um, everything's just in in, in hyperdrive so it was a big it was a big change um, at that stage and that has sort of since become the norm I and mean, we're not trying you know, quite frankly I'd be on the stage of trying to win well I mean I have no chance of winning all half the race or more than half the races I go in now um, but I just you know we, we the team that I race with now it's you know we're, we're all competitive people. Yeah. And so that's the approach we bring to it, and if we have a speed, and we go at it. And if we if we if we execute well, navigate well, you know, we have the chance to be, a, you know, a top fifteen to twenty percent team, depending on the race. But uh, we're not going to break any records, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know what the model is for being a top three team in the world anymore. I mean, how can you? have a job or a normal life and, and get there so
5: yeah, yeah. I mean, well I watch. I mean I, I really respect uh, you know young guys like Kyle Peter for example who you know he, him and I were chatting after uh, a raid of the north in BC that we competed against each other in and he was chatting we were chatting and he was kind of saying you know he, he really had this goal to be one of the top teams in the world and yeah. He's like, you know, what do you kind of, what do you think about that? And I'm like, oh god, man, like I am well beyond where I think, uh, <laughs> where I think I can be. You know, I'm not going to get any more competitive than I already am. And and you know, the guy, a guy like Kyle, just decided, made the decision, and he he figured out what it would take. Watched mm-hmm. people, you know, was really humble about learning. Volunteered at races. He competed in races. Watched what the best people did, and just tried to mimic it. And you know, you watch his training log and attack point, and the guy's doing. Firing off twenty four hour weeks regularly. It's yeah. uh, I mean, gosh, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good month for me now, <laughs> with a daughter in tow. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I, as I say, I really, you know, I really respect guys like like Kyle who really go after it, and you know, buddies of mine like Bob Miller, they know what it takes to try and compete at that top end, and they just go for it, and and you know, they don't succeed all the time, but they give it everything they've got. And and last year at the Worlds when they got third, I was I was just so happy because. Uh, they all just really deserved it because they had put the work in.
0: Yeah, they yeah. definitely had. So um so what are you guys what are you ex, what are you expecting from from Ecuador this year?
5: <laughs> uh, a different experience than Costa Rica perhaps <laughs> from last year. You think maybe? Uh, yeah, I'm hoping so. Um no, I, I, I you know, the team that I that I'm racing with now, Harper Forbes and, and James Galapo and Natalie, uh, Natalie Long. Um I've never raced with Natalie before. Um but James and Harper and I have raced uh, a few events now, uh, long-distance events over the last few years, and we really understand each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses and and are pretty clear on what we need to do to get to a start line pretty prepared. So it's a real feeling of um, familiarity and comfort for me. I just know where I sort of start and finish and where my weaknesses are that those guys can help with and, and hopefully vice versa. Um, and with Ecuador, I mean, the biggest challenge, of course, is going to be Rolling the dice on the altitude, uh, um, you know how you how, how each each of us come out come out of the the two sections of being really really high four thousand meters or so, which you know quite frankly scares the shit out <laughs> of me a little bit. But um, after Costa Rica last year, I suffered big time at the altitude, um, and uh, my teammates really had to pick up the slack for me. Um, so you know i I don't know, I think you know we've talked about it as a team a number of different times, and our our goal still remains what we've done in, in the last few races of, of the, at the world level of trying to just trying to crack the top twenty race our race our race mm-hmm. I think in this race more than say Spain that we did uh, a few years ago um, where you can kind of set your own pace and do your own thing um or you know try and kind of they're, they're, there's just more going on at, at, with Ecuador with the altitude that yeah. you really, we really feel like we've got to manage ourselves before we even worry at all about what other teams are doing. Because uh, getting through the first 300 K of the race with, uh, you know, quite a bit of it above 3000 meters is going to be, um, you know, a lot of strategy and, and managing when, when, uh, when stuff hits the fan, so to speak, you know? Yeah.
0: So, I mean, you, I, I think this may be for a lot of people, you just get over the mountains and then go like hell to get to the ocean.
5: If there's anything left in the tank, <laughs> yeah. So, go go like hell has a very a very different definition on day can, four yes. than it does on day one.
0: Yeah, that can uh, yeah, vary a lot. It's like I tell people on day, you never see me with a team on day one or two. I always wait till three or four, so <laughs> you've gotten slowed down so I can keep up, but
5: um and that's where the comedy starts at least. It's better yeah. footage
0: but um I know several teams, I you know Nathan Fave especially were very uh adamant in his dislike of the altitude. But um I mean you just gotta deal with it, right?
5: Well it's the same for every team, yeah. Except for those who live at altitude. That's true that's but, the that's the thing. So I mean yeah. luckily for me I I live where I do. Last weekend we went down south a little bit to a place where you know I could get up to altitude on my bike and 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 on foot and just, you know, suck in as much low oxygen <laughs> air as I could. Yeah. Um and uh you know, it's I don't know. There's only so much you can like, there's so much research that so varied in, in its results and says what you can and can't do and should and shouldn't do. But it seemed the one common thread really seemed to be, it takes probably 20, 21 days to acclimatize. I'm not sure as heck don't have 21 no, days to no. acclimatize before the race starts.
0: So, yeah. And, you know, so are you guys coming in like right at the last minute then? Cause that's, I mean, that's the other. Yeah. But I mean, how can you be in the last minute in a 10 day race too? So,
5: well, yeah, and I mean, yeah, exactly. This last minute has many, <laughs> many yeah. different. I have got some friends who went down to Ecuador to climb Cotopaxi, and they went by that that mantra, and uh, they got about halfway up, and oh, they suffered hard yeah. <laughs> trying to get up to the top of Cotopaxi in uh, in Ecuador a few years ago. But uh, no, we'll we'll be there, kind of you know, before the just slightly in advance of the registration, and yeah it'll be what it'll be you yeah
0: know? i'm i'm coming in i think on the they're bringing me in on the six so get a couple of yeah. days to 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 do that um so what well, before a race like this do you do you have a map of ecuador in your house
5: <laughs> the, the, the internet's beautiful for that
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah so. But
5: yeah, no, we've got a well, a big map of the world, and the Ecuador is pretty small part yeah. of it. But uh, no, I've, I've I've glanced a number of times at the what Andes to Amazon really looks like. Yeah, well,
0: and then I've been quite honestly, mine's been on the kitchen table for a couple of weeks, but because you try to figure out, okay, if it's you know 600 kilometers, how where are they going to go? Because it's 300 kilometers or whatever across the country, so.
5: Um, yeah, my well, wife always makes fun of me because that's what I typically do is I'll try and figure out the race course and yeah. pretty much pick exactly the opposite of what I've decided <laughs> because that's invariably the route.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I was looking, you know, there's a couple of big, big bodies of water that kind of one at each end of the country. So it's like, all right, there's one of those maybe is a paddling section. So.
5: Yeah, well, there's lots of, I mean, there's lots and lots of rivers coming yeah. out of the Andes. Um and you know kind of moving toward the west coast or the east coast really to yeah. into to um, into Brazil um, but uh yeah I mean it it's anybody's guess right I mean the one thing yeah. that I know I, I hope I'm assuming anyways is we're not going to be in uh, you know big open you know sea seawater crush waves crushing us yeah. and this type of thing because otherwise well, I hope that's not the case because I wouldn't be prepared if it was
0: <laughs> well I, you know and I was looking at that too and it's like yeah is there going to be a little I, I couldn't see a little coastaneering section because it looks yeah. like it's all beaches on the west, west yeah. coast. Yeah, so. we, we, we
5: we we went to Brazil last year, and um, you know there were a few sections where we had the opportunity to go out into the open ocean, and the teams that knew what they were doing, they made up time. Yeah. Um, whereas us, we looked at the, I don't know, two-and-a-half-meter swells yeah. <laughs> of the waves, and it's like, all right, turn around, we're going the other way. <laughs> so.
0: Um well that's kind of cool. Um do you care if we talk for a little while longer?
5: Um yeah, I'm I'm good whatever you need. Okay.
0: Well, cuz what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk I we're going to talk to everybody on the team and and put it together, but um oh, Okay, got it. But I I still got a bunch of stuff, so let's uh let's continue. <laughs> I mean- let's continue on. Um here's here's the one that if I don't ask, I get yelled at.
5: <laughs> By who?
0: Um Various people that listen to the podcast.
5: Right. Imagine
0: fans. that. People actually listen and, and let me know. Um are
5: Dying undying fans, yeah.
0: There's there's that. Uh your best and worst six hours racing ever.
5: Who? Uh gosh. My um my worst six hours. Mm-hmm. I have a worst six hours of pretty much every long distance race <laughs> and it's always in the first twenty four. Um Again, thankfully, I'm racing with people who kind of know the deal with me, I guess. And yeah. um, you know, we we did we did a race in in Scotland a couple of years ago, in Brazil last year, and in that in the first 24 hour window, you know, I I'm I'm giving it everything I've got, and it's always it's invariably hot, and I mm-hmm. seem to just die in the heat in that first 24 hours. So the pace is hot. You got lots of gear. I'm seemingly unable to keep food down. I'm trying to navigate and whatever. But uh, uh, it was the same thing in BC at Raid the North Extreme a few years ago. That first, there was a huge, big trek we did right off the hop. And, um, you know, I had a few moments of uh, getting rid of my stomach contents and eating a few minutes. And it's like, all right, let's go. I think I'm good now. Um, but those are the worst feelings when you you know you need to eat, you know you you just know you have to do it and and yeah. it's just a nauseous feeling and the pace is high and the tension's up and you don't want to you know yeah. make any cataclysmic escapes mistakes right out of the gates
2: yeah
5: um, so I always find the first twenty four hours particularly tough um, and then my best six hours. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I just I just really love it when when you know sometimes the the navigation just you, you take a risk and it just pays off. Like we did a, we did a move in um, in British Columbia a few years ago where um, you know I was looking on the map and I there was a rule that we had to tra- you know we had to travel south along this road before we were allowed to get into this bushwhack. We had, to, we had to move across the land, probably about I don't know, 15k or 20k to the to the east, starting on a you know north south road um, mm-hmm. in the west. So I looked at the map and, and and the rules, and and I kind of I went up to the to the organizer at the time, and I said, listen, you know, it says you're not allowed to travel on this this other highway that was close by, but are we allowed to go under it? And he kind of looked at me sideways because I had sort of seen that there was a huge drainage and it just ended right at the highway. And I'm like, well, there, that water has to go somewhere.
2: Yeah.
5: It's not just going to fill up. There's no lake, so there's got to be a culvert. And I wonder maybe if there's enough water that we would be able to fit through a pipe. <laughs> so, and if we were to do that, it would cut off a significant amount of of, um, of elevation, as and as well as a significant amount of su- southerly travel, which kind of went the wrong way. So we rolled the dice, and and there, we actually were quite close to Techno at the time, and just behind Team Dart and um took a gamble and kind of went off the track and and went up to where you know we were probably about i don't know 50 vertical meters underneath the road and sure enough there was a huge culvert there <laughs> we climbed up and climbed up and it was probably about i don't know maybe a meter and a half like you know sort of 5 feet high i guess yeah and we just snuck right through that and on the other side it, you know we climbed up the other side and boom we saved probably i don't know about 4 hours worth of travel that way and when little things like that happen it makes you feel pretty good of course when it doesn't go right, you feel like the goat as yeah. a navigator. Um, unfortunately, there's more goat moments than good moments sometimes. <laughs> but uh, when things like happen like that, those are the, my best um, my best times. When you make a sneaky little move and it pays off.
2: So,
0: yeah, that's kind of cool. And of course, just so you know, almost every adventure racer comes up with their worst moment before their best.
5: <laughs> <laughs> which, which it's humility. It's called humility. Uh,
0: yeah, it's yeah. Don't tempt the gods. Whatever. whatever.
5: And it's probably never crossing the finish line because that's always the most anticlimactic point of any event. Any event.
0: It it kind of is, isn't it? Because, yeah. I mean, you've been so focused for so long. And generally, there's not
5: a lot of people there, so you just...
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, yeah. at 3 o'clock in the morning, who's going to be there? Yeah. So... Oh, yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. I've been on both sides, believe me. I've been yeah. the one guy <laughs> sitting there clapping for teams at 3 in the morning.
0: Yeah, well, they appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, the other thing that's been kind of interesting is what's the one piece of gear that has changed the most or has come in in the last 15 years since you started?
5: No, headlamps for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean the the my wife and I laugh all the time about the the old school Petzl Zooms that we used to have that yeah hardly fire off a beam that's you know you can hardly read a book with it let alone bushwhack yeah yeah <laughs> so some of those you know early raid the north races where you're trying to you know go through some pretty gnarly canadian shield uh, wilderness um it's it was tough whereas now my, like like my, my teammate harper forbes and i went out to do a, a rogaine in um, nova scotia a few years ago and uh I just couldn't believe it. it was almost like cheating. You know, like we, we'd have this, you know, massive white light on our head and, yeah, and yeah. of course you, you, you're flashing it all over the place as you go. And if there's any reflectivity on the checkpoint, you can see it from almost like, a, you know, 250 meters away. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's changed the most for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I can remember back in the day having a four D cell mag light with plumbing fixtures <laughs> attaching it to my bike. <laughs>
5: Oh yeah, my first bike light was the 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 super it was called something something super sport, and it took five D cells and it weighed probably as much as my road bike now. Yeah, <laughs> it was massive, and I think it pumped out about a massive twelve watts. Yeah, <laughs> so I my know. eye now are uh, you know not even remotely half you know quarter of the weight and they yeah. last longer and everything like that. So yeah,
0: yeah, I know uh, Paulette used the Petzl the Tikas for the her for the tahoe 200 and i think she got two nights out of a battery and yeah you know you could just see it makes and and let's face it being out in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere with if you have a good light that kind of makes you feel better
5: Mm. (laughs) at least what amazes me though are some of the things that haven't changed even over time you know you look at all the 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 packs that are around today Mm. and you know, I'm not trying to plug or anything, but they're so but so kidding. close yeah. to uh, the original raid 30 from Solomon. I still have mine. Oh yeah. <laughs> in fact, my one of my teammates used it last year in Costa Rica. I used it in Scotland the year before that. Like it's just, you know, all of the pack designs are kind of a, pretty similar. I mean, there's better materials and this type of thing, but um, that's one area that hasn't changed too significantly for adventure racing I and mean, we yeah. obviously for for you know ultra marathon racing has changed tons yeah um but uh,
0: yeah so let's you what, know what are some of the other things you're doing because you're not strictly adventure racing you're you're doing a lot of running and and things like that too
5: yeah well honestly living in france the thing that's um the French have a ton of creativity when it comes to putting on events uh-huh. or like sporting events. Yeah. They they also they have a different mindset than in North America um, as it relates to what the organizers are trying to get out of putting an event on. So in North America, you know, you're trying to if it's for charity, you're raising money, or a large part of a large time, you know, your people are trying to make money at it. You know, yeah. what's the the, the break even point and how much is the consumer, how much is the competitor willing to pay? And okay, can we make a go of this and, and you know, make some money at it and, you know, at fair play, right? Whereas yeah. over here, it's almost seen as like being a bit cheeky to put on an event and actually try and make money at it, you know, yeah. heaven forbid. Um, so the, basically, what it means is the events here are incredibly cheap and incredibly creative and varied. So you get, you know, everything from, you know the, these the, what are called cyclo sportif races. It's like a you know like a what we have back home and Grand Fondo races, and they're all the time. And they close down roads, and you're going through cities, and people come out and cheer, and um, all sorts of different types of mountain bike races. And um, I mean the the trail racing over here, like for running, is just. I mean, if you want to do a a, a good a good trail event, there's you know, five different ones within two hours drive every single weekend, pretty much. Um, vertical kilometer races and city trail races and you know ultra marathons and and just all sorts of different downhill races. You name it, and they've thought of it. So it's it's pretty cool that way. To, to I mean, you know, we're we're a bit handicapped a little bit, but just sort of the reality of having a you know a three year old daughter yeah. makes it. Uh, a little tougher to do as much as my wife and I would like to do of those things, but you know it's it you know our lives evolve, I yeah. guess, right? So yep. you pick and choose the best ones and you and you go at it. So, I mean the 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 biggest thing over here for me, anyways, has been the road biking. It's just you know everyone watches the Tour de France every mm-hmm. year, and it's it's the race to watch for a reason because the every road here is so beautifully paved and the drivers are considerably more respectful of cyclists than they are where I'm from in southern Ontario. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you you just can't help but get sucked in by the road biking here as well. Yeah.
0: So it it's, actually sounds like a lot of fun, but it's like, yeah, how do you pick pick your thing? Oh, yeah, I mean, cross-country
5: skiing in the winter too, right? Like, there's yeah. just yeah. so many different types of events.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah and that's what yeah. I always like seeing is, yeah, the different things that they things. come up with just variations of this run and that run and trails and stuff just
2: cool
5: yeah oh for sure I mean there's there's races that have been going on in Scandinavia that we're starting to see kind of come out now with this swim and run races yep yep I think it's called Otilo and then there's another one in uh, in Switzerland called the Enkaden I think anyway so it's like you trail and then swim to the next island and then you trail run and you swim to the next island and you kind of just work your way across this archipelago of islands um you know it's just so creative and they just find a way to make it happen and the towns are incredibly supportive of of these types of events and so like the mayor comes out and they close down roads and it's just it's so refreshing to see that they 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 embrace putting on events like that to bring people to their to their town and they they act with pride around it and and they really support it too which is you know it difficult you know you talk to bob about uh how difficult it is to put on uh, events and get, you know, permissions mm-hmm. and uh, um, all these types of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or for Bob Miller back in uh, Southern Ontario, sometimes.
0: Well, it's the well, same same way here in works. the U.S. too. So, yeah, all the different yeah. agencies and so yeah, that yeah. works that way. Sure. Um, so I um, got a couple more couple things here, and then we'll I'll let you, let you go be with the family. Through. Sure. Um, uh, design your perfect. You're adventure Adventure. race Race. length Length. distance my perfect length yeah length and what you would have for for um, legs and stages and you know what would be perfect for you to to race
5: oh for for me I I I really love the the types of races where the amount of creativity and navigation choices is, is high. I can't stand the contrived challenge for the sake of challenge type of race, and uh, unfortunately, that's the majority sometimes. Um, whereas you know, races like uh, you know the the two thousand two Raid the North Extreme, where there was a there was a fifty two k trek at one stage, where you know. It, you You could be 10 kilometers north or south of a team and traveling east and west and you know e- each are great routes. So I love the ones where you really truly have the the decision making to pick a pick a, a creative route um, or, or paddling sections. There was one in the uh, raid the North Extreme in Atacocan where you had to go from the west the west edge of Quetico Provincial Park to the east edge. The park's about a hundred kilometers wide um and you know you had to submit your route to the to the to well to us the race organizers yeah. um and uh there's no motorboats allowed in the entire park so it's empty um and people people were choosing significantly different routes you know some were more heavy in portaging some were more heavy in paddling um it just, you know, where you really have the choice, I just love that because it just, it gives so much more, like that's the sport to me is the, that as opposed to just raw speed and who can suffer the most and this sort of thing, it's to me, I I don't know, I, I you know, I, I don't care for all that stuff. I just really, I, I really prefer, maybe it's just because I'm not fast enough to be good. <laughs> um, but those, those, when those events are there, I, I, those are the types of events I like.
0: So. Cool, and then here's one final question: Even if you started packing today for Ecuador, would you still be packing the night before you leave? Of
5: course. <laughs> that of is course. that is the correct I always advantage. have the added benefit of a business trip that seems to 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 be right before the race, so I've got to travel with my bike and gear, and you know, yeah. sell my shoes and keep going. You know,
0: there you go. So. Well, cool. Well, thanks for talking. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to have um, talk to all the team and put this all together. So um, it should be kind of interesting hearing what you all have to say. And then uh, just just for this, we'll see you in Ecuador. And then I'll tell you in person to go fast and take chances. <laughs>
5: all right. Thanks very much, Randy. Thanks for doing it.
0: All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye.
5: Take it. Take it easy.